Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjan, and by, with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 12, The Tulip Bed. But Francis did not get off quite as lightly as he had hoped, because directly after breakfast, Uncle John called him aside and explained to him that his share of work was still well, waiting to be done, and that he would have to stay and do it instead of going to the cattle market. I'm sorry, said Uncle John, but there will be other cattle markets and we're all disappointed. We would have enjoyed it much more with you, but you've got to learn someday, haven't you? Francis was bitterly disappointed, but much too proud to show it, so he shrugged his shoulders and wandered off with his nose in the air. There was one small gleam of comfort. Kate would not get her quiet day now, for he would see to it that there was as much noise as possible. Uncle John showed him exactly what he had to do, and then there was a general flurry of departure, sandwiches and thermoses being prepared for the market party, and Auntie Allison bustling about the kitchen and straightening up. I'll see to it all, Mom, said Kate. Do hurry or you'll miss your bus. Right, said her mother, but don't bother about lunch. We'll do something quick when I come in. Oh, keep an eye on Francis and take him a snack. Kate wrinkled up her nose and locked the living room so that the question of chopsticks would not arise. Francis was a pest, and already his loud, tuneless singing came floating through the kitchen window, and surely his weeding need not involve all that banging about. She tidied the kitchen meticulously and shut the window and carried her esso to the front of the house where she would get rid of him. She wished she need not take him a snack but he did, because he did not deserve it, so she prepared for him a weak lemonade and two soft cookies halfway through the morning and marched out to the yard. To her astonishment and indignation, the work was hardly begun, and Francis was strolling up from the river. Kate let fly at him. You lazy lout, she explained. You're hardly begun. You'd, you'd better get cracking because there's no dinner for you till you're finished. Francis sat down in a barrel and stared at her coldly. I shan't do it all unless I want to, he said, and I'm not going to, I'm not doing what you say anyhow, big boss. I'm not your slave and I shall not, I shall do what I like. I shan't stay here at all unless I want to. Kate lost her temper. Her fate, face flashed crimson, and all she longed to say for the past month came pouring out in a torrent. I wish you wouldn't, she shouted. Nobody wanted you in the first place. You just invited yourself, and Mom and Dad were kind enough to take you in, and you never lift a finger to help them. You're ungrateful, Francis, and you're cruel, too. We know all about your throwing stones at the ducks, and you're a liar, too. All those silly stories you told the boys about guns and bombs. Even Chris knew they weren't true. It's all a pack of lies and you're just a show-off. And we wish you'd go back to where you came from. She turned and ran. Francis picked up a mug of lemonade and flung it after it. It just missed her head and broke into pieces on the wall. Then he stood very still, breathing hard, his eyes smoldering in his white face. Only one remark of Kate's had struck in his mind. We wish you'd go. Nobody wanted you in the first place. Was it true? Had they all seemed so pleased to see him? He had felt so sure of himself and so safe. If it was true, then he was leaving right now, that very minute. But he had to vent his anger and misery on something or some, someone first. It was no good attacking Katie. Kate, she was too big. So, so he looked around and found himself staring at the sun-warmed colors of the yard. Wallflowers, polyethus, under the lilac, and Auntie Anderson's prized tulip bulb in full flower.
He went to the weeping willow and broke off a switch and walked over to the tulips. Standing in front of him, front of them, he deliberately switched, switched the head off of every stem. Backwards and forwards, he went with a fierce, miserable sort of enjoyment. It took her quite a while, and when he had finished, there was not a flower left standing. Kate stormed her way back to the kitchen and then sat staring out the window. Now that her temper was cooling off, she was beginning to feel deeply ashamed of herself. How could I have said that, she thought. I was worse than him. And besides, it's not true. Mom and Dad didn't want him. They'd hate it if, they, if he went away. She sat thinking for a while and then got up and walked very slowly back to the yard. Perhaps she could tell him that that bit had been a mistake and, and they had wanted him even though he was such an awful, lazy, cheeky little flyer. But he was not where she had left him and he, she, he was standing by the tulip bed and she saw him fall the last beautiful crimson head to the ground. She rushed at him, and he saw her coming and shot out of the garden gate and dodged behind the house. She did not follow him. It was too late. She knelt beside the ruined tulip bed, trying desperately to lift a couple of bruised stems and leaves, but nothing could be done. And Mom loved these so much, moaned Kate. She planted them all herself and was going to pick them, pick them for the church. Whatever shall I say to her? She was conscious of the rattle of the bicycle bouncing over the cobblestones. Francis, she shouted, come here. But he hurled back a rude remark and was gone. So she went into the house and sat down in front of her school books and wept with frustration and worry. How much of his reaction had been her fault? And what was Mom going to say when she, when she told her all about it? Her mother came gaily into the kitchen one, about one o'clock. Kate, she called, where are you? Come and tell me if you like my new hairstyle. And what a treat the kitchen looks. You're a good girl. Kate came in and her mother turned, surprised at her silence. The girl stood there, crimson-cheeked, and she looked as though she had been crying. Kate, cried her mother, has something happened? Yes, Mum. Francis is gone, and you'd better come and look at the tulip bed. They went out and stood looking at the ruin. Mrs. Glennie gave a little sigh. Well, that's that, she said sadly. I'm glad that at least we saw them come out. But whatever happened, we must he must have gone berserk to do a thing like that. And where's he gone? I don't know, Mum. He, he's so lazy it wouldn't work. And well, I said things to him, and some of them were true, but some of them weren't. I really lost my temper, Mum, and he, he was so cheeky. Let's eat, said her mother gently, and you can tell me then. He'll come back before dark like he did yesterday. I'll fry some bacon and eggs, and you can have some tea. When they were sitting in front of the hot meal, Katie tried to tell her story, and her mother listened rather gravely. Kate was so dutiful and hardworking, but her impatient attitude towards Francis had worried her mother all along. I told him he was lazy, Mom, and that's true, said Kate, and I told him we knew about him throwing the stones at the ducks and the cows sometimes, and I said he was a liar, and that's true, too. All those stories he told to Martin and Christ. The bombs and guns weren't true, said her mother, but it probably wasn't all lies. He really has been involved with very rough gang, and that's what worries me when he disappears. Was that all you said to him? No, said Kate softly, looking at her plate. I said he'd invited himself and we'd never wanted him, and I said we wished he'd go away. Oh, Kate, what a thing to say. No wonder he wanted to destroy everything. Besides, it isn't true. I wanted him from the moment he rushed in from the river looking like a drowned rat. There was something about him, 
I was thrilled when he came back, and how could you say such a thing like that? But Mom pleaded, Kate, he ought to be punished, and you and Dad are too lenient with him. You'll never let Martin be lazy and steal food and tell lies like he does. It isn't fair. We do tell him, and Dad punished him this morning. But do you know his story? He told us himself, and his granny has written twice about it, so we know it's true. Martin has known nothing but love all of his life. And he's never had anything to hate. Francis's father left him when he was a baby. And the second father has never wanted him. Now the stepfather has gone off with another woman and the divorce is on the way. And his mother is in a psychiatric hospital. It's been jealousy and quarreling and hating for years on end. Francis needs healing before scolding. We have to go a step at a time. As soon as he feels quite sure that he's loved and wanted just like his own, our own children, then we'll start dealing with the other things. He was just beginning to get there. Something happened to him yesterday. I don't quite know what, but finding that spring was really meaningful to him. And now I suppose I've spoiled it all. Oh, Mom, I'm sorry. Well, there'll be another chance, I'm sure. The thing is to discover where he is. I wonder if he could have gone back to the shepherd's wife. I have no idea where he found her. He cycled around the bridge, not along, uh, not along the river road. Could he have gone back to his own house? I shouldn't think so. There's no one there. He's hardly go to an empty house. We'll wait till Dad comes home with the car. Francis may easily come back alone. After all, he's had no dinner and he likes food. But Kate was less hopeful. After lunch, she wandered sadly out into the yard and stood watching a hedge sparrow dart to and fro and then settled on her bright eggs. Hedge sparrows' nests are so cozy, thought Kate, and she looked back to the shabby farmhouse where they had grown up, loved and secure. She had taken it all for granted. She had never quite realized before how rich she was and how much she had to give and share. Oh, God, she whispered, please bring him back. It was partly my fault, and I want him here very much. Well, tomorrow we're going to read chapter 13, the river of life just want you to know that I love you and thank you for listening and we'll and uh, we'll see you tomorrow bye bye <laughs>